For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Colts fans? A very nice bounce back for the Colts means we all get a good start to our week. This is the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host, Jake Arthur, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes as well so we can make some noise on the charts. Thank you all for joining me today. The Colts sneaked out of Houston's TY, I mean NRG Stadium, with a 26-20 win. That sounds like a somewhat commanding win, but it really was not so much there at the end. We'll get into that in a bit. Poor Deshaun Watson did everything he could, but just did not have enough around him. After the two teams put up a combined 44 points in the first half, there were only two points scored total in the second half. In the end, the Colts made enough plays on offense, defense, and special teams to pull it out. The Colts and Titans are now both 8-4 atop the AFC South. It's the Colts' best start through 12 games since 2014. The Titans do have the tiebreaker because they've got a better record in the division, however. The Colts' remaining schedule is all AFC teams, with the Raiders, Texans, Steelers, and Jaguars coming up in that order. So they'll be expected to take care of business against Houston, Jacksonville, and probably Las Vegas, but we'll see if they can go toe-to-toe with the number one team in the league in Pittsburgh. For all we know, the Steelers may be resting guys in that game. Before we break all of Sunday's action down, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you once again by Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Ben Online. In the pregame show, I said I liked the Colts as three and a half point favorites with the over on total points of 50. We got the Colts and their points, but just fell short on the total game points by five. That'll happen when the two teams combine for two points in the entire second half. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, the main storylines of this game will start with injuries as usual. The Colts entered this one without starting left tackle Anthony Costanzo, who's nursing an MCL injury in his knee. He was replaced in the starting lineup by LaRaven Clark. However, Clark then suffered an ankle injury pretty early in the game, so Chaz Green filled in for him and essentially played the majority of, of the game there at left tackle. Green barely practiced his own throughout the week uh, leading up due to a back injury, so luckily he was even available. Uh, In general, it didn't go super well. 
I allowed a couple one-on-one sacks, but it went about as well as you would expect from your third-string left tackle. Linebacker Bobby Okariki also did not play in this game. Uh, He's missed two now with an ankle injury. He was replaced in the lineup by Zaire Franklin, but Franklin only played five snaps on defense. Uh, Starting strong safety Kari Willis was out of this one with back and quad injuries, and he was replaced by Tavon Wilson, who did all right. Uh, Rigoberto Sanchez, of course, the punter, uh, he was out. He had a cancerous tumor removed last Tuesday. Really no timetable on when he'll be back, but the Colts signed uh, Ryan Allen to the practice squad and activated him before the game, and he got uh, he got the punting duties in Sanchez's absence. So continue to send positive vibes Rigo's way, but everything looks good as far as we've all heard. The Texans didn't really have many notable injuries going into this one, but they did have two massive suspensions in the week leading up. Leading receiver Will Fuller and leading cornerback Bradley Roby both were suspended for the remainder of the season for failed uh, performance-enhancing drug screens. That showed up on the field as Watson had to rely on guys like Kiki QT and Chad Hansen beside Brandon Cooks. On defense, T.Y. Hilton had a big day in Roby's absence. Offensively, it was the tale of two halves for both teams. They combined for 502 yards of offense and 44 points in the first half, but just 267 yards of offense and two points in the second half. For the Colts' defense, it was yet another huge effort by them following halftime. Entering Sunday, they ranked fourth in the NFL in the fewest points allowed in the second half. Sunday was the third time this season that the team didn't allow any points at all in the second half. And overall, the Colts have only allowed 13 points in the second half in their last four games. The Colts were gifted the end of this game, however. They led practically the entire game, but never bought by very much. Uh, So the Colts put together a 10-play drive and faced 4th and 1 at Houston's 5-yard line. Going for it gives you a fresh set of downs basically at the goal line and almost ensures you score a touchdown eventually but taking the chip shot field goal would have given them a 7-point lead with just under 7 minutes remaining. So they went for it, and they ran Naheem Hines right up the gut out of the shotgun, and it was pretty much dead on arrival as two two Texans met Hines basically right at the line of scrimmage. After the game, Reich was asked about that as to, you know, why in those short clutch short yardage situations Hines keeps getting the carries, even though he's the smallest runner. He made a good point that any of the Colts running backs would have, you know, wouldn't have picked that up because the defense just had that beat from the jump. But that's kind of not the point. It's, you know, you need a short yardage situation. Why is the smallest running back getting the carry? And especially in a situation where Jonathan Taylor was eating the defense alive uh, in that scenario. The Colts were fortunate enough to get a safety on that next drive, but they would have to punt later on that drive with 2.50 remaining. So then Deshaun Watson was getting the ball with almost three minutes remaining, needing 80 yards to put up six points for a tie. A touchdown and an extra point, of course, puts them in the lead. And that would likely be at a time where the Colts don't really have any, any time to make up for that. So the Texans got down deep into Colts territory, and then a bad snap from center Nick Martin to Watson at the Colts' two-yard line gets recovered by the Colts with a buck 28 remaining allowing the Colts to kneel down. It was a close one, to say the least. If I were to dole out some game balls in this one, I think I'd give them to Phillip Rivers, Jonathan Taylor, 
T.Y. Hilton, DeForest Buckner, Justin Houston, and Kenny Moore. I realize that's that's a hell of a lot of, of game balls to give out, but those guys really showed up. They all, all had outstanding performances. After the game, Colts head coach Frank Reich spoke with the media about the team's performance. Okay, um, obviously big win. Wow. Uh, 60-minute game. Uh, really proud of the guys hanging in there. Uh, great team win. We knew coming on the road against a division opponent who was hot, um, who could score some points, who had a special player at quarterback that it was going to require all three phases. And uh, and we hung in there and did what we needed to do to win the game. So um, obviously great day by T.Y. getting him going. And he did what T.Y. does here at this stadium against this team. He really provided us a spark and got us going. We needed all those points that, you know, we scored in the first half, obviously. And then, um, you know, obviously Justin Houston, huge day, a huge day with the three sacks, um, safety, uh, from what I understand, he now ties the all-time record, right, for uh, safeties. So really good there. Got the run game going a little bit in the second half. It was, it was rough in the first half a little bit. Uh, defense locked things down in the second half um, and did what we needed to do to win. Uh, the only injury uh, that we had to report is the Yankel injury to uh, LaRaven. So I'll open it up for questions from there. Yeah, Frank, could you just talk us through the fourth and one decision and, you know, not getting the field goal? You just went into it and where you weren't worried about maybe it biting you in the rear end the way the game ended up? You know, no, I mean, you know, that's a call that I had a lot of confidence in that call, the situation. We had momentum. We had a good drive going. Um, you know, my gut feeling and our confidence in our offense to pick up the play, there was multiple options on the play. We just didn't, um, the play could have, yeah, there was, I'll just say that there was multiple options on the play, but we just, at the end of the day, didn't quite execute it the way we needed to. Um, and I had, I had confidence that we would get it done. And if we didn't get it done, which is always that possibility, they got good players too, then I had confidence in our defense. But my gut feeling the whole way was to go for it. The charts were, it was a pretty strong go on the charts as well. Um, so that just confirmed it. And then obviously we got the safety, um, but we just need to be, uh, we just need to be a little bit more productive on obviously on offense that second half. Stephen Holder. Frank, that was going to be my question. Uh, second half, the, the production on offense, I mean, that was a complete turnaround from the first half. What, what, what do you think led to those struggles? Um, well, you know, they played good and they played well in the second half. I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm not sure I got to see the film. I'm not sure it was, a, I mean, we didn't score any points. Um, so penalties too, maybe a little bit. Pardon? Some penalties maybe as well. Yeah, a few penalties. We, you know, we had some. We had a couple long drives, um, you know, and just came away with nothing. Um, but then just were hurt by a couple penalties. Uh, got the running game going a little bit in the second half, uh, you know, and then there at the end just tried to go to it and then got a penalty, put us behind the sticks, and you know we just couldn't overcome that. So uh, there's no question we, you know, there's no question that's not good enough on offense in the second half. So. Um, we got to, and we got to play tighter defense in the first half. Um, and then we got two return touchdowns. You know, we got two return touchdowns in the, in the kicking game that get called back. So um, I'm assuming they're good calls. And, you know, we, we can't have those calls. Uh, we got to play with more discipline, better decision making, uh, but still get that kind of execution that can unleash Naheem. Mike Wells. Hey, Frank, I'm going to go back to the, the fourth down call. Um, when you, when you have Naheem in the backfield, what is your what is the thinking in going into that? The only reason I ask is because 
you guys went with him in the game in Nashville against the Titans and got stopped on those fourth down calls. So why Naheem over Jonathan? Uh, you know, we, we see all three backs as interchangeable. You know, this, you know, for three years, I've gone through this with Naheem, you know, where um, when he gets stopped on a fourth and one or third and one or two, you know, the, it's a fair question. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a fair question, but the question always get asked. And then, but there's plenty of times where he's making those runs and we have a lot of confidence in him. Um, you know, anybody, any one of our backs right there was going to get stopped with the way that thing played out. We just didn't execute it the way we wanted to. We had, you know, Naheem runs a little different. He's a little shiftier, but, um, you know, like I said, you know, we have confidence that we had said on that play, um, we had talked about before the game, if it came down to that play, we even said, hey, which of the three backs do we want in there? And it was, you know, we just talked it through as an offensive staff and said, hey, who's ever in there at the time, we're comfortable because that's how much confidence we have in each of those three guys. George Bremer. Coach, it looked like Jonathan Taylor had the hot hand today. Was it really just the way the rotation broke out that he got fewer carries or was was he on any kind of pitch count today? Yeah, no pitch count. He just, you know, he, he hit some runs and looked good and the rotation went his way and, you know, Rath, you know, Rath kept him in there and he made the most of those opportunities. I thought he ran hard and, and looked good. We got to see the film. Um, just still disappointed, you know, in, in getting the run game going in the first half, um, but excited about what we did in the second half as far as the run game was concerned. Zach Kiefer. Frank, I'm curious, what's Philip dealing with in terms of pain right now? Uh, there was a report he's, he's got a little bit more than a sore toe. I'm just curious, has it, has it hindered what you want to call how you've seen him play? I mean, he was, he was pretty dang good today. Yeah, no, I thought Philip was really sharp today in every way. Um, you know, his game is not, it's not like we're running sprint outs and bootlegs with him. He's a pocket passer. You know, he doesn't scramble a whole lot. So, you know, whatever level of pain that he's dealing with, um, you know, I feel confident that he that he can play winning football. Uh, he's playing winning football and, you know, and he's getting better each week. So uh, and, and we feel good about that. So, uh, you know, and that's just the kind of player he is. He's, he's a tough player and he's fighting through it. And but it's it's not at the point where I feel like it's hindering the way we call the game at all. All right, we'll go three more. Joel Erickson. Uh, Frank. What was it like just to see DeForest back and playing the way he did? It was kind of right from the start. Yeah, he, he looked great out there. Obviously, look at the film closely, but, you know, he he was making plays in the run and the pass game, um, you know, did a great job, you know, got close, forced some things, even a couple of times where he didn't get sacked, is forcing the issue. Um, great leader, great energy. Um, really good to have him back out there. Jim Maiello. Yeah, Frank, on that, on that, on the last play or the, the last play for the Texans, did you feel like that was? I mean, I don't. What, what was your emotion in that moment? You feel like you got a gift from, from the gift football gods there, or, or what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was crazy. Uh, obviously, um, you know that's why it's a sixty-minute game, and you you see it all. You never you never cease. You're never surprised at things that happen in this league. But um, you know, we had used our timeouts. First of all, I th uh, obviously, I was feeling like we were going to stop them. But if we didn't, if they had scored there. Felt like we had plenty of time to go down and kick a field goal to win the game. Like Phillip in a two-minute mode and our offense in a two-minute mode would be good. But, um, hey, we got the break there, and we made the break. I mean, they they dropped the snap, but, you know, we had a good recovery, guys hustling to the ball and getting it on our side. But certainly, 
certainly uh, take it any way we can get it. All right, last one, we'll go Greg Doyle. Sorry, now I'm the dummy asking the bad questions this week. Um, Frank, Kenny Moore and that, that pick, pick he had, have you, have you seen it, the replay of that? And, and also, if you don't mind, a second question is just, why do you blitz him so much? I think I know the answer, but I need you to say it. Sure. Um, yeah, we, on the replay, we thought he had it clean. I mean, what, what we saw on the sidelines and what we saw live was that Kenny, Kenny had it, that it was never simultaneous possession. And then, uh, you know, he came out with it. And, you know, the officials called it that way. And then, you know, in the review, you know, our guys, as well as the officials confirmed that there was, there was no visual evidence to, to overturn, you know, what we saw with our naked eyes. So we, we were pretty confident we were going to get that. Kenny made a great play. And then as far as, you know, the amount of times that we blitz him, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. We know, we feel like Kenny's the best at that in the NFL. We feel like he's the best nickel in the NFL when he's playing in a slot right there. And, you know, one of his great traits is his timing and knack on the on the blitz, um, and even when he's not making a play, you know he's forcing the issue, and there's a lot to be said for that. And and teams have to account for him, so uh, he's playing really good football. Offensively, the Colts had 371 yards on the day on 67 plays. That's 5.5 uh, yards per play. They were three of 11 on third down, which is 27.2 percent, which you know, every single week, I tell you, that's not good enough. Uh, one of two on fourth down, which is just 50%. And they were also one of two in the red zone. And they did not turn the ball over at all, which is great news. Passing the ball, Phillip Rivers was 27 of 35, which is 77.1%. He had 285 yards, which is an 8.1 yard ter- yards per attempt. He had two touchdowns, and he was sacked three times, and he had a quarterback rating of 119.3. He had a really good game despite not being able to escape the pocket, which he normally can't, but that was made even worse by the toe injury that he's been dealing with. Uh, and he also had the, the shaky protection on his left side with the third string left tackle. He did, in this game, reach 3,000 passing yards for the season and became the fifth player in NFL history to reach that mark. 15 in 15 different seasons uh, he joined Brett Favre and Drew Brees as the only players to do it in 15 consecutive seasons receiving as always Uncle Phil was spreading around the wealth there were nine different players who caught a pass including five who had at least three T.Y. Hilton had his biggest game in quite some time catching eight balls for 110 yards and a touchdown that snapped a streak of 23 consecutive games including the postseason without 100 yards in 10 career games at NRG Stadium, Hilton averages 5.7 catches for 114.6 yards per game and has scored eight touchdowns. He also passed Reggie Wayne for the most career receiving yards against the Texans in the regular season. Wayne had 1,636. It was the eighth game of 100-plus receiving yards against Houston for T.Y. With his receiving touchdown also, he tied Joseph Adai for the 10th most total touchdowns in franchise history at 48, and he also passed Dallas Clark for the 6th most receiving touchdowns in team history. Rushing the ball, the Colts had a decent day by the end of it. They toted the Rock 29 times for 109 yards and a 3.8 average, as well as one touchdown. However, it was Jonathan Taylor who was the stud, despite them not leaning on him until late. 
He had two carries for 10 yards in the first quarter, one carry for 11 in the second, no carries at all in the third, but then suddenly in the fourth quarter, he was given 10 carries for 70 yards. In all, he carried it 13 times for 91 yards, which is a seven-yard average, and he caught three balls for 44 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown came on a 39-yard catch and run where he was just wide open and beat his man to the pylon. He had plays of 11, 12, 19, 24, and 39 yards, so he was just racking it up on Sunday. I think we all hope to see him in more of a featured role moving forward. The hot hand thing is nice, but you've got a rookie running back who you know you drafted in the second round, and he's starting to play like it, so he's just kind of got to be a more consistent part of the offense. I thought it was a little odd that it took the Colts so long to try and establish the run. Because yes, Taylor wasn't getting many carries early on, but no one else was really getting fed the ball either. They were never facing a big deficit, and both offenses were explosive in the first half. Yes, they kept pace with Houston, but they could have also slowed the game down a bit by running the ball early, because Houston probably would would not have been able to stop it. The Texans are one of the worst teams in the league at stopping the run, and the Colts didn't really lean on that until the fourth quarter. Speaking of Taylor, he also caught up with reporters after the game. Here he is. Jonathan, the last uh, two games you've been in there, it feels like uh, you're just kind of running power, um, maybe more than you did earlier. Is that something that you've kind of felt and developed as the season's gone along? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of of times, especially early in the year when, uh, you know, you'll have a hole, just a small hole, and you kind of got to splice it instead of, you know, kind of running through it and trying to kind of get in stride. It's kind of, you got to splice it. Then once you get into the open, you can kind of open up your stride. So um, that's just something that I've really been conscious of, you know, on this second half of the year. You know, when you see a hole, kind of splice it. And then once you get into the open field, then you can kind of open up. Akeem Glasby. Yes, uh, Jonathan, uh, T.Y. Hilton, he always seems to play his, his best against the Texans, but how much of a spark does it provide the offense when he's, you know, really making plays and, uh, you know, uh, being a kind of a go-to option for the offense. I mean, it provides a huge spark. I mean, when you see him make a play, I don't know. I mean, if you guys can see the sideline, I mean, everyone just gets, you know, electric uh, just because we know the kind of guy that he is, uh, you know, not only an athlete, but just the guy he is in the locker room. So he's just full of personality. So when you see him make a play and, and give the offense a spark, I mean, it just gets the defense and the offense going. Kevin Bowen. Jonathan, with how you were running early, were you surprised you only had three carries until the fourth quarter? No, I mean, really one of the biggest things was understanding that we got a lot of guys in our running back room that can make plays, whether it's through the air or on the ground and pass protection, it doesn't matter. So my biggest thing was whenever my number was called, I had to make sure that I was executing because I know the team is counting on me and I know the other guys in the running back room are counting on me to execute my job at a high level when my number is called. Zach Kiefer. Jonathan, so Deshaun Watson drives them down the field. They're on the seven. It really feels like they're going to punch it in. Walk me through what you saw from your side and, and how surprised were you that the ball came loose and you guys got to turn it. I mean, one of the biggest things, I mean, of course, you're hoping that the defense, you know, stops them, comes up with a turnover. I mean, and that's what you expect because we, we know the level that our defense can play at. Uh, and in your head, then you start thinking about, well, maybe we got to get ready to, to go down on a game winning drive and, and put this game away. And the next thing you know, we're in a victory formation. And, you know, that's not what you were imagining, uh, but you will take it. You know, wins a win and they're not easy to come by, especially divisional games. All right, we'll go two more. Jim Aiello. 
Yeah, Jonathan, do you feel like you're getting better at, at staying in a rhythm when you, when you come out of the game and then have to go back in the game? Obviously, not something you were, were accustomed to much in, in, in college. And now, you know, you, you come out and then it looks like you're just as effective when you go back in. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest things is, is just understanding it's really all a mental aspect of just whenever your number is called, you have a specific key, you have a specific assignment on that play. And all you got to do is focus on that. Um, you don't have to worry about trying to, you know, get multiple carries or multiple plays in a row to, to get in a rhythm. It's really all about, you know, how effective are you on your play when your number is called at your job? All right, last one, Bob Kravitz. Yeah, Jonathan, what was it like on the sideline when that ball comes free on a bad snap? Oh, so, when, I mean, when it first comes out, I mean, it's everyone's yelling ball and we're hoping that someone jumps on it immediately and then kind of gets scooted out back a little bit more. And you're like, we're, everyone jump on it, jump on it. And once you get it, I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy sign of relief. And then, you know, it's electric on the sideline. On the defensive side of the ball, the Colts allowed 398 yards of offense on 62 plays. That's a 6.4 yards per play. Houston was 5 of 13 on third down, which is 38.5%, and 2 of 4 in the red zone for 50%. They also turned the ball over twice, which we said in the pregame show would be big, because Houston doesn't really turn the ball over much. The Colts got a pick and recovered a fumble. Passing the ball, Deshaun Watson was 26 of 38, which is 68.4%, for 341 yards, which is a 9.0 YPA. He had no touchdown passes and one interception, and he was also sacked five times. He had a passer rating of 119.3. The Colts got to him five times, which is awesome, but they probably could have finished with seven or eight sacks uh, based on how often they got to him, but they just couldn't finish. He's just so slippery, and he, I mean, how many how many sacks did he evade on the day? Uh, but yeah, it was a solid day of quarterback play on both sides. The Texans did all right running the ball. That's usually going to be the case when you've got a quarterback like Watson who can escape and pick up chunks on the outside. The team finished with 90 yards on 19 carries, which is a 4.7 average in a pair of touchdowns by Watson and David Johnson. Johnson led the way in his return from a concussion with 44 yards on 10 carries, which is, of course, 4.4 average. Uh, I thought Colts defensive tackle Grover Stewart did a pretty nice job against the run, tracking some things down and keeping runs close to the line of scrimmage. He finished the day with three tackles and a quarterback hit. Uh, The stars on defense, as I mentioned previously, were DeForest Buckner, Justin Houston, and Kenny Moore. Buckner missed last week's game while on the COVID list, and he came back with a vengeance on Sunday. He had four tackles, two of which were for loss, two sacks, and three quarterback hits. Houston also had four tackles and three for loss. He had three sacks and three quarterback hits and a safety. One of those sacks was a safety. Uh, He now leads the Colts with seven and a half sacks on the year. And it was the Colts' third safety of the season and Houston's third since joining the Colts last year, his second of the season. And it was the fourth of his career, which now ties him for the most in NFL history. It was his eighth career game with at least three sacks, and he joins John Abraham, Julius Peppers, and Demarcus Ware as the only players with eight-plus games with three or more sacks since 2000. He's truly one of the underappreciated defenders of his generation. Kenny Moore, like I mentioned, had a big day as well. He had eight tackles, three pass breakups, and the first interception of Watson since week five. He's kind of got Deshaun's number. He's, I think that was his second or third career pick off of him, including the postseason. 
Uh, a couple of Moore's pass breakups came down near or in the end zone as well. So he saved some points for the Colts. When you guys see my pro football focus recap on allcolts.com Monday night or Tuesday morning, you'll almost be sure to see some of these guys on it. After the game, Justin Houston spoke to the media about his huge performance. Justin, where'd that come from? Did you see some spots in the Houston line that were susceptible to maybe some different things today? But um, you had to be pleased with the way the defense stepped up in the second half and the way you guys finished with that fumble at the end. Uh, I'm very pleased. Uh, I think we've been playing a strong second half uh, the whole season. I just, I still feel like we can do better first half. We, and we need to do better to get where we want to go. Stephen Holder. Uh, Justin, on that note, uh, when you're chasing Deshaun Watson like that, um, especially the first half, um, what does it take to kind of stay with that and, and to mentally stay in it and, and the way you guys kind of finish strong in that area? I think you got to know what you get yourself into before the game. So just watch your film, study him, and know what kind of guy he is. And we know he's a playmaker, and we know he's very athletic back there. And you know you just got to be a relentless pass rusher. You just got to keep going. Knowing that he's he's going to make plays, that's who he are, and that's that's why they got him. Uh, so you just got to continue to uh, work as a unit and don't give up, and continue to play together. Mike Chapel, first on the last play, could you just kind of walk us through it and just maybe a perfect example of how you you play sixty minutes? Oh uh, yes, uh, you never know. You you got to play to zero zero on the clock, and I think that's what we did as a whole. And that last play, I still don't know really what happened. I'm pretty sure you, your view was better than mine. I, I know I was sitting the edge on one side and I saw the ball on the ground. We recovered it. But I'm pretty sure, like I said, you, your view was better than mine. All right, we'll go two more. Jim Aiello. A couple for you, Justin. But the first is you're now tied with the most safeties in NFL history with four. I think we talked about this earlier in the year when you got your first safety of the year. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about that record at this point, but is there anything that means to you getting having four safeties now in your career? Uh, I haven't thought about it, but I'm, I'm slick disappointed because I feel like I got five on my career. It's, I got one in Denver uh, when I was in Kansas City. It was a sack fumble in the end zone, and it was a safety, but they gave it to the team and not me. So I really think I got five and not four. So the NFL is shorting me a safety. <laughs> So I'm fighting for my life to get that fifth one so I can add it to my career so I can put it on my record board. So you're number one all time in your, in your mind? In my mind, if you see the play, why wouldn't I be? It's, a, <laughs> it's the clearest sack fumble in the end zone. It's the safety. And the tackle recovered it and no one touched him down. So they gave it to the team and not me, and I'm the one caused it. So I still don't get and understand that play. I think that's my safety. And I don't understand why the NFL hasn't haven't given me that safety. So in my mind and in my household, I'm number one. <laughs> so the safety you got today, I mean, two questions, I guess, is you take us through the play and then and and is there another gear for you when you're getting in? I mean, when you when you have a chance to get that safety? <laughs> no, I'm just going, man. I'm just going. I think uh Flu's call a great play. It was a it was a pressure. And I think it ran perfectly. It worked out perfect for me. And uh glory be the guy. It just happened to be. I'm the one that got the safety today, so I'm just very thankful. All right, we'll go last one, Zach Kiefer. Justin, as many plays as you guys made in the second half, is there ever a point where you guys are just exasperated with what Watson can do, even when you have your hands on him, even when it seems like he's going down? And did it feel like they were going to punch in the touchdown at the end? Did that run through your mind, or was there always a belief that something crazy could happen, even when they're on the seven? 
you got to believe me. You got to play to zero zero on the clock. You never know what can happen. I've been around this game so so long. You I done saw so many plays that that happened at the last second. So many crazy plays. So you always got to believe me. You always got to continue to play to zero zero on the clock. Uh, that's what we preach around here. Play till the game is over. Uh, Flus believe in that big. Uh, Frank believe in that big. So that's something we believe in. That's something we live by around here. And that's something we do. That's it for our post-game show, everybody. Thank you so much for being with me today, as always. Big Colts win this week, but they've got some critical stuff ahead of them. Remember to please subscribe to the show and rate and review us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and really wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. You can find my written work with Sports Illustrated at allcolts.com. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond when I send out the call for questions on Twitter. Today's show was sponsored by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Or if you're interested in just our show, shoot me an email. We'll be back with you later in the week to chat about the Colts and Raiders coming up next Sunday out in Las Vegas. Have a great week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 